0: Have your Bibles, now's the time to get them out in whatever form that that takes for you. Whether it's a book form, uh, you can open to the book of Colossians, or whether that is in electronic form, you can get out your smartphone or your tablet and open, find your way to Colossians chapter 1. Here we are in the midst of this book. And I, I told you last week I was worried that we weren't going to get out of chapter 1, and today we're only going to do like four or five verses. And so uh, there is just so much here, and I am enjoying getting into this passage. And I believe today has a great message from this little letter that Paul writes. But I have to admit, the epistles, which are the letters of Paul or John or Peter uh, or James, They can be a little difficult to understand. Now many of us when we're reading, we, you know, because there's a lot of directive, a lot of things that are written in there, sometimes we can take that in our personal reading. But really honestly, if we think about it, we are only seeing one half of the conversation. This would be like, kind of like listening in on somebody who's on the telephone, and you can't hear what the other person is saying, but you can hear what the person in the room is saying and how they're responding. And sometimes you can kind of get a little bit or glean a little bit, and that's kind of like what it is like to read the letters of Paul or Peter or James or John, that we're we know that they're writing, and we know that they're writing to a specific place in time, This, in this instance, the church, the little house church in Colossae, but we don't know everything that is happening, and exactly what prompted everything, and what Paul exactly wanted to accomplish, but we believe the Spirit leads us to help us understand more deeply what is going on, and God has graced a lot of scholars to do a lot of work to help us to. Dig just a little bit deeper into what's going on. And most scholars believe that the church in Colossae was a fairly new church. So it was new believers that Paul was writing to, and he wanted to encourage them. And he, like we talked about last week, had shared the message of the gospel with Epaphras who then took that home and God used Epaphras to start a little house church. And so Paul is kind of, hears about this, and he's so excited that he has a little grandbaby church that he wants to write a letter to encourage that little grandbaby church. And so we jump in. Last week we looked at God's faithfulness in Christ and what Christ did in the path in the past, creates a space for all of us. And how we have this hope that one day the, the work that was begun by God will come to full completion and heaven and earth will be one again. And He will live among us. And He will be our God and we will be His people. And that in the meantime, we are called to live out this love of others who are different. Paul wants to continue right on speaking to this church. And so he continues this beautiful passage. And so I'm going to invite you to open your scriptures and we'll read along right here. Oh, I don't know what happened there. There we go. Colossians chapter one, and we're going to begin at verse nine. Hear the word of the Lord. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the Word of God for the people of God here and online. And our response is... Thanks be to God. Well, when I turned, I was in my late 20s, moving into my 30s, I became really excited about backpack camping. I I don't know what caused that flare. I mean, maybe it was that we were living in Pasadena, California, and I could see the mountains right there. Like, literally, I could go five blocks east, and turn north, and I would be in the Sierra Madre Mountains. Uh, not many people realize that Los Angeles County has mountains that get snow every year, goes up to about ten thousand feet. And now that they've dealt with a lot of the smog issues in Los Angeles, you can see them almost every day. And so maybe it was just my heart seeing the mountains and the and the forests and all these things. I really got interested. I started reading Backpacker magazine. I started really looking forward to the the equipment issue, where they would show all the new gear that was coming out. I I just loved reading about it, and I, I must have been talking with Lori about this, because on my 30th birthday, she gifted me with some great gear. I got a tent that we actually, I was so excited, we were at the party, we set it up in the living room. It was it was just fun. We got in. We took pictures with everybody. Everybody who was there. How many people can you get in this little tiny two person tent? Um, we challenged that. I, I began. I got a backpack. I I got all this gear. But the truth is, I had never set out on the trail to use the gear. That was. To come. I mean, here's a, here's a good picture. This is me and Jackson. I still have the gear. This was a few years ago. We, we decided to go out and try this together. And isn't it just beautiful when you're out there? There's the tent. It's now, I won't tell you how old it is. I guess it's 21 years old. Still works. Still repels rain. And we love that. And it seems like every time I'm out, I learn something new about the world. I learn something new about camping, what to do, a lot of times what not to do, uh, and, and just enjoy that time. And I have learned that in many ways this is similar to our Christian life and experience, that there is a gift of equipping that God does for Christian life and there is a gift of actually living Christian life. There is a gift of equipping for the backpacking trip. And there is the gift of actually going on the backpacking trip. And this begins to cycle through where my knowledge becomes more experiential. And, and I begin to do things and see things shaped different in my backpacking life. The same happens in our spiritual walk Following after Jesus. So I want us to look at this because we need to, I want to make something very clear right here at the beginning. And I believe Paul does too. That is that it is God who begins the work. There is a tendency within our churches, the churches, evangelical churches, we place a lot of emphasis on our choosing you know, we sing even sing a song, I have decided to follow Jesus. And if we're not careful, sometimes we can think that it is our decision that saves us. And so Paul wants to say to this little church, and I think wants to remind us in modern day American Christianity, that it is always we must start with God. It is God who does the work. It is God that even enables us to make the decision. And that's important for us. God is the one who begins the work and we must always start with God's work. And so Paul does. He really bookends this passage that we've read with the work of God. He begins right at the beginning by saying he is uh, he is continually praying and asking God to fill you. Who does the filling? God. God does the filling. Then he moves on, and at the very end he gets so caught up in the the excitement of all this that he says we're joyfully giving thanks to the Father, the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. We didn't do that. He did that. He is the one that has qualified us. He is the one who has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. And it is in Him that we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. That's the starting point. We always start with what God has done. And then we move into what God has done and equipped us with moves us in a different direction that allows us to participate and to learn how to live this life of following after jesus and i believe that this this work of god paul shows us in this short little passage does five things in us and so they all begin with the letter f so just write those out there and uh and we'll go along as as we do Uh, number one god's work you've already seen this god's work fills us Uh, god's work fills us Paul writes there, we continually ask God, who does the work, to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Now, I want to put a little asterisk here and say, because there's, there's a tendency for us to think that God fills those who are ordained. Those who are called to ministry. And I want to stop right here and say this is not just for pastors Yes, there is a filling and a calling and a work that God does in pastor. We call that ordination. It means that uh, we see these gifts that God has placed upon you. You are surrendering them for use to the church. And the church is saying, yes, we want you to do this. And there is a filling that happens there. But it's not just for pastors. And we see this because when Paul says, I want to pray that God will fill you, that you is the plural you, y'all. So it's not just, I'm praying that God will fill you, pastor. It's, I pray continually that God will fill y'all. All all y'all. Did you need to hear that today? That God longs to fill you. Yes, you Even you, no matter what you think you are all about, God longs to fill you. Now, we see this here. You can read this throughout this entire passage today. Anytime you see a you, it is the plural y'all. So if you feel really southern today and you want to say y'all, you can do that. Or you can say you, but remember, it's plural, you all, okay? So we continually pray for God to fill you all with the knowledge of His will. We're going to get to that in here in a second. God wants you to be full, y'all. Now, that word, fill, y'all, is the Greek word, play ruthetai. Now, let's say that together, because this is your Greek word for today. Are you ready? One, two, three, play ruthetai. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three, play ruthetai. And one more time to just get it deep down in your subconscious. Ready? One, two, three. Play Ruth tie. Now, play Ruthetai tie means filling, of course. But it is the type of filling that is to the fullest. It is to fill up full. It is to satisfy. Think about how your stomach feels after Thanksgiving dinner. You are play Ruth tie. You are you are satisfied. It is the idea of cramming. Like you could scoop up a thing of sugar or you could scoop up sugar and push it down and scoop more and push it down. It is crammed full. Or for those of you who are gamers, it is, levels you up. Levels you up means you're ready for the next thing. Levels you up. Play Ruth, they tie. And Paul is praying continually that God would fill you up, satisfy, cram you full, level you up, play Ruth a tie all y'all. Not just those who serve in ministry. But that leaves the question then, what does God fill us with? And if you've been reading, you already can see this, you know this. We continually ask God to play Ruth a tie you all y'all with the knowledge of his will. Now, let's look at that word knowledge because we tend to think that knowledge is all about learning facts about something so that I can recall them and regurgitate them on the test later. And how this gets interpreted interpreted into our church language is I'm going to memorize some things about God and about Jesus and I'm going to have them here so that when I die I can know that I have recited the test and I've got the answer and I can move on into heaven. That's not the kind of knowledge that Paul is talking about, although it includes that. It's not bad to learn all those things about the Lord, to learn facts, to learn truths that the church has passed down through centuries and generations and millennia. But this knowledge that he talks about is the word epigenosin. Let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Epigenosin. One more time. One, two, three epigenosin, and just for the fun of it, let's do it one more time, one, two, three, epigenosin. And epigenosin is knowledge, but it is first-hand knowledge. Or sometimes you've heard me talk about it being experiential knowledge. There is the, the knowledge of knowing about someone, and then there is the first-hand, deeper knowledge of really getting to know someone. And Paul says, I am praying that God will fill all y'all, cram you full of this first-hand experiential knowledge. And what is that knowledge about? It is the knowledge of His will. Now, I began to think when I first read this verse, I began to think, eh, that seems weird, will. We don't talk a lot about will. And then I, I began to think about the wills that we have in our lives and it usually happens when we die somebody writes a last will and the will does what it expresses the desires of the person who has passed That this is what they want to happen with their property or with, you know, they might write a letter to their family members. "I, I desire for you all to get along or for you to have this part of what I've stored up for you. Those kinds of things. So when we talk about being full of the first hand knowledge of God's will, it is that we would know, fully know, first hand experientially know what the desires of God are. That, that changed something for me. That Paul would pray that this would actually happen for a church, that they would know, be filled up with the first-hand experiential knowledge of what God's desires are for human beings, for life, for the world, what His purposes are, what His hopes and dreams are, that we could truly, fully know that. But we've got to move on, because we're only on number two, and we've still got to take communion today. Or we're going to receive communion today the second thing that god's power and strength does in us is that it fits us it fits us it's just like when i got my first backpack i went in you can't just go and grab one off the off the shelf or it might you know, not fit the right way. It might be too short and rub rub a place on your back or it might not fit. It might be too tight around your shoulders and you, you, if you're carrying a lot of weight, it would, it would hurt you. So you, you get fitted for it. You need to have that fitting to take place. And what Paul says in all of this is that he wants us to know God not only fills us with this firsthand experiential knowledge, but God doesn't hold back. God wants to send you out fully equipped and fully ready. And so he writes, We continually ask God to fill you all with the knowledge of his desires through all. Everybody say all. If you're reading in your Bible and you can do this, I would love for you to circle the word all there. It's not part of the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. It is how much? All of the wisdom and the understanding that the Spirit gives. It is not just partial. It is all. And Paul is praying that that little new church would receive all, be crammed full of all the knowledge of the desires of what God wants for them. And he wants it to come not just from them, not just sitting alone reading the Bible, although that's not bad. He wants them to be filled with all the wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives. That this is an experiential thing. This is not just something you read about in a book. This is something you experience as you're out there. And he longs for that. For you and for me to be fitted with all that we need for this journey. To live this life out. To understand and know his desires for our world and for ourselves. Does it comfort you to know that God desires... For you to fully know what his desires are for you and for the world. He's not going to leave you to guess. He, He wants to fill you and fit you to have exactly what you need to fully know what his desires are. There's no guesswork in this. And I know that for many of us, we grew up with this chaotic environment where we were never quite sure what we were supposed to do to please the person that we loved mom or a dad or a coach or a significant other. And we just kind of bounced around, and our tendency then is to put that on God. Is to say, well, I don't know, and this book is so difficult, and and it's hard to read this this Bronze Age book and work, and, and what are we to do with all of this, and I'm not sure how to do this. Paul wants you, as a new Christian, to say, God's got this. And he wants you to be filled to the top with understanding, deeply, first-person, first-hand knowledge of what his desires are for you and the world. And he is going to fit you exactly for this with all, not part, all of the wisdom and understanding that comes from the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within you. He wants you to know all of it. He wants you, he wants to fill you with all of that knowledge and desire. And he wants to fit you for that as well. Number three, God fills us and fits us for, and I put that in capitals, because there is something that God is filling you for with His knowledge and fitting you for by giving you all the wisdom and understanding of the Spirit. He is fitting you for something. Just like when I got all of that equipment, some from Lori, some from uh, purchasing it myself, but really from the people who designed it and all of that. It was for going out on the trail. God just doesn't want us to be so full of the knowledge of his desires that we just sit here in the pews and hang out and say, oh, isn't it great that we know all of this? No, he has fitted you, he has filled you and fitted you for something. Let's look at chap, uh, verse, the first part of verse 10. He says, so that, so all of this filling is happening, all of it, The the knowledge of his desires so that you, and again, that's a plural you, so what's the word there? So y'all may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. That there is something we are supposed to do with that knowledge, just like there was something I was supposed to do with the tent or the backpack or the water filter or or the cooking equipment or the little camp stove. All of those are for a purpose. And that is our purpose, to live a life worthy of the Lord. And that means, to live a life worthy of the Lord, means that we live like Jesus. Now, Jesus said these very words. I feel they're very appropriate for this passage. Jesus Himself said this, For I seek not to please Myself, but Him who sent Me. So just like Jesus lived a life not to please Himself, but to please God who sent Him to us, to live a life worthy of Him, our Lord is to live and to serve like Jesus. And we are filled and we are fitted for this purpose of living like Jesus in your homes, in your workplaces, in your schools, in wherever you find yourself at that moment. We are called to live a life for pleasing the Lord. And this pleasing life is not something we do part-time. Look here. And please Him so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in how many ways? Every way. Every way. In our rising up, in our daily activities, in our daily lives, in our going to sleep, we live to live a life worthy of our Lord and to please Him in every way. This may shock you, But Paul believes that this little church in Colossae can actually please God in every way. We as a church, as Cross Community Church, we actually believe in this truth as well. That because God does the work to rescue us and redeem us from our sins, That He sets us and qualifies us to receive all of His knowledge, His desires for the world and for human beings. And we are fit to see that happen because the Spirit enables us. We actually do believe in the good news that you, my friend, you, my friend online, you can actually live a life, a full life, pleasing to God in every way to know now, here, in this moment, in this deep moment, that God is pleased with you, smiles when He sees you, and is continually filling you and fitting you for a life that is worthy of Jesus' name. We talk a lot about salvation in the church, and that is the work of God. But it doesn't end there. God continually fills and fits you and enables you to live a life that is fully pleasing to Him in every way. The fancy word for that is sanctification. And we believe in that grace and in that hope here at Cross Community Church. And so if you find yourself up and down highs and lows... Maybe today God is wanting to fill you full of the knowledge of His desires and fit you to live that life out into your world, to know that He is fully pleased with you. We've got to move on. Number four, we're being filled and fitted for. Being filled and fitted for leads to being fruitful. We see that right there at the next, that we give joy, that we're being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, that we might have great endurance and patience, that this is the fruit of what is happening, that we are bearing fruit. Now, I want to I say something to you here, and Paul hints at it in these verses. This is not about bigger and better. Our tendency is to think God does all of this and if we could just this is how it happens in the church if we could just get enough people that are fully filled and fitted for things and they are pleasing to God then we'll grow as a church and we'll be awesome and we'll be huge and we'll have awesome budgets and we can do major rock show things every Sunday and you know we could we could do the thing we'll be the church. But when Paul talks about being fruitful, he moves right in to being patient and to be able to endure whatever might come our way, whatever situations might happen. That we are being filled and fitted for pleasing him, which is living a life of patience and endurance. Now sometimes that does lead to incredible big things that are so much fun. Like when we we decided that we were going to merge the daycare's harvest festival with our trunk or treat a few years back. And we we were we did that. And yes, we patiently endure people who come in and don't know anything about the church. And, and we love them. And we tell them the story. And we invite them into the games. And it leads to incredible things like... 300 people coming in and lots of kids and many families that have no church background, they might be transformed and say, I want to come on Sunday sometime. That might be a good thing. Sometimes it's that way. But sometimes, oftentimes, I find that knowing and being filled with that knowledge and being fit with that knowledge for fruitful work in in the world is really learning to respond in the way that Jesus would respond with a lot of patience and a lot of endurance. It's really about knowing how to respond in each situation. And sometimes that just seems to come right in the moment, and sometimes it's a little more difficult. I'll never forget a time when a family left the church and they were convinced that something was wrong with me, and they were telling me all this. And they were saying they were leaving. And they, 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 were, they were worried about my salvation, that I was going to hell. And, and everything inside me wanted to react and argue and get back, hold up a mirror. <laughs> but it was in that moment that I was thankful that I believed God had filled me and fitted me for fruitfulness and patient endurance to be able to then live a life worthy of our Savior, who on the cross prayed, Father, forgive them. And so to begin to write a letter that says, I hear what you're saying. I don't believe that it's true. But I don't want to spend the time to argue with you. Because I love you, and you will always be welcome here. And I want to send you out with blessing and hope that you will find what you're looking for in another church. That was the hardest letter to write. But Jesus filled me. And fit me for knowing his desires and enable me to live worthy of his name and his experience and his example. And in that moment, he enabled me to live that out into my world. I'll tell you, although it was hard to write, there was a burden that was lifted when it was sent. I don't know how that will land. I wasn't there to watch them read it, but I'm glad that I did Lastly, this fruitfulness that we experience leads to a deeper understanding of God's faithfulness. This fruitfulness leads to a deeper understanding of God's faithfulness. At the end of verse 10, we see that we've been living, when we live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, and we bear that fruit in every good work, we grow in the knowledge. And again, it's that same word that we understand. We grow in our first-hand knowledge of God. It's like this. Every time I use my camping gear on a camping trip, I learn more about camping. And I learn more about the world. I learn more about Michigan going camping. It's a beautiful place. Every time that we know we are filled and fit for living a fruitful life, and we see that happen in our world, then we learn more about God's faithfulness. It goes even just a little deeper. When you are filled and fitted for this life, when you begin to experience the fruitfulness of knowing how to respond in life like Jesus does, you gain more first-hand knowledge of how faithful God truly is in every situation, no matter what it is. This is the work that God does in us. And so what then is our response to all of this work In our lives. Our response is. Giving joyful thanks. To the Father who qualifies us. We're just talking about God's faithfulness again. God's work in us. And who qualifies us to share in the inheritance of his holy people. In the kingdom of light. Giving joyful thanks is the Greek word. (laughs) Eucharistuntes. Can we say that together? It's a fun word to say. One, two, three. Eucharistuntes. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Eucharistuntes. And one more time, just to wake you up. One, two, three. Eucharistuntes. Eucharistuntes means joyful thanks. It comes from the word Eucharisteo, which was one of the earliest names that the church gave to the communion meal. They called it the Eucharist. If you've come from a more liturgical background, you've probably heard that word. But literally what it means is joyful thanks. That when we approach the table and receive the bread and the cup, we are eucharistuntes. We are joyfully thankful at the God who did such a work and can do such a work in a human life that He can fill them with all the first-hand knowledge and fit them with the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit can bring for a life that is lived out worthy of Jesus and pleases Him in every way and is fruitful in every good work. So that as that happens, we just go deeper and deeper in our knowledge of the faithfulness of God. And so when we approach the table, we are filled with joyful thanks. Isn't it just beautiful to think about Jesus giving us and leaving us with this sacrament that's about taking what is supplied, (laughs) And the bread and the cup, we believe, are filled with his presence. And we are filled. And while it may just be a little tiny piece of bread and a little tiny cup of juice, we know that Jesus fills us full and fits us for, just like that food that comes into our bodies fits us for whatever the work ahead is. When Christ comes into us in the bread and the cup, we are fitted for fruitful work. And we just keep taking it over and over again until we become what we eat and we begin to experience over and over again how faithful our God truly is. So in a moment, I'm going to invite all of you who would like to, to come to Eucharist, to communion, to come with joyful thanks. And because I haven't had the opportunity of being a part of the communion meal with you in quite a while, And some of you are brand new. I want you to know you do not have to be a member of our church to come with joyful thanks and receive bread and cup. The only thing you have to do is, the only thing that's required of you is to be hungry. To be hungry to be filled. And so I want to invite any of you. This is not my table. This is not Cross Community's table. It's not the Church of the Nazarene's table. It's the table of the Lord. And if you're hungry to be filled, to be fit for fruitful life and to know, deeply know his faithfulness, you are welcome to come and take bread and take cup. And our God is so good that I want you to know that even if you're not ready to come forward today, I still want to bless you in His name. And I'll be praying for you that the next time that the table is open, you will be ready and hungry to be filled and fitted for fruitful life and a deep knowledge of His faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your work in us that fills us and fits us for a fruitful life living worthy of your name and pleasing to you. As we receive bread and cup, would we joyfully give thanks to your faithfulness in our lives. For we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus, the one whom you love, into whose kingdom you bring us. And everyone said, Amen. You take out the bread. body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken and shed for you, take and eat and be thankful. blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your filling, for fitting us with all that we need to live a life that is worthy of your name, that is pleasing to you in every way. that brings fruit into our lives, growth, in our relationship with you and our relationship with others, and in understanding how much we need you and how faithful you are. As we go, will we know that we go fully equipped into our world, and may we lean in to all the wisdom and understanding of your Spirit. And may we see others come to know You because of the work You have done in our lives. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand and receive this blessing? And now, my brothers and sisters, as Paul prayed, I as your pastor pray, continually to the Father, That you would be filled with all the knowledge. That you would be fitted with all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit brings. That you would live a life for Him. That is worthy of His name. That pleases Him in every way. And that you would experience the fruit of his faithfulness in your everyday life. I pray that you will go in that strength, in that filling, in that fitting that is for others. Go in his name. Have a great, great rest of your week. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. Amen. Go in his name. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you here next week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.